And this is 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. It's 3 p.m. and up next is Cover to Cover Open Book. Welcome to Cover to Cover Open Book. I'm your host producer, Nina Serrano. My guest today is mystery author Susan Shirell. Her novel Grace was recently published by Workwoman's Press. Susan Shirell is an Oakland writer. Her book Grace is set in the early 1970s and covers drugs, politics, protests, the Black Panther Party, Cointelpro, sex, and the search for love. The protagonist, Leah is a UC Berkeley student and part-time racetrack employee at Golden Gate Raceway. This is part two of our exploration of this page-turning book. Welcome back, Susan Shirell, author of Grace, to Open Book. Thank you, Nina. I'm delighted to be here. Susan, can you fill listeners in on some of the opening events in the novel and read us some of the excerpts? In the beginning of the novel, two Vietnamese young men or young boys find Grace's body washed ashore near Golden Gate Fields racetrack. Grace was a charismatic and beautiful woman who worked at the fields with the protagonist, Leah. The Oakland Police Department choose to focus on one of Grace's former lovers, the Black Panther, James Ferguson. But because Leah, the protagonist, has some information about the night before Grace was murdered, she tends to suspect that they may be trying to frame this Black Panther, James Ferguson, and thus she gets pulled into the case. Well, we'd love to hear some of this. Well, you remember, Nina, that the last time I was reading here... I was reading a section where the Black Panther, James Ferguson, talks about the meaning of the greater fear. He was describing a scene where the Houston police surrounded a clinic where the Black Panthers were working. And in his explanation, he said that the greater fear meant that the Black Panthers were more afraid of letting each other down than they were of being killed or brutalized by the Oakland police. In the section that I'm going to read now, we have a very different interpretation of the greater fear by Grace's cousin, Joey, who is a lead detective in the Oakland Police Department. This is Joey starting off speaking. So, Joey's face in the dark interior of the car looked pale and pasty. A faint five o'clock shadow stubbled his chin. Panthers were with him the next morning, Joey, at a meeting. After that, he was at a rally at Defremery. You knew all along he couldn't have killed Grace. Oh, calm down, Lee. Leah, Joey said. There's a lot you don't understand. Ferguson heads up a gang, or same as. All he has to do is give an order. It's still murder. He was followed that night to Panther headquarters, yeah. So he went in and gave them the slip getting out. And the Panthers at that meeting? Not that it would 
mean that much if they did try to defend him. But not a single one has come forward to testify on his behalf. I had no answer to that. Fact is, Joey continued, the only person eager to defend the guy is you. I have to wonder why. Try this, I answered. It's the truth. It's not that simple, Joey was saying. We've got sources we can't disclose. The Panthers have big-time lawyers, commie pinko protesters, ready to riot on their behalf at the drop of a hat. Like your blasted Berkeley Peace and Freedom Party, they get away with a lot these days. Yeah, Joey, I guess it's not like the good old days when cops could put black people away any time they felt like it. And how about Freddie Corster? You pressured him to say Grace left the track with Ferguson. You cops aren't victims, Joey. You're a bunch of bullies. Bullies? And you're trying to tell me the Panthers aren't? Just when I think you've got some street smarts, Leah, you talk stupid again. Your Huey Newton believes the lumpen will rule the country. You know that word, lumpen? Your panther friends have a singing group with that name. Bobby must be set free. Joey sang a high-pitched imitation of this newly famous song. You know who Huey Newton's lumpens are? Small-time pimps and hustlers. They're the criminal element. Talk about pressure. The Black Panthers shake down black businesses, pimps, drug dealers. They pop the guys that won't cooperate. That's intimidation, Leah. That's the real bullying. The greater fear, remember? Thank you, Susan Sherell. You just heard Susan Sherell reading from her mystery story, Grace, set in Oakland and Berkeley in the early 1970s here on KPFA. Susan Sherelle, what happens next? Well, because Leah believes that the Oakland police are focusing too much on the Black Panther James Ferguson, she starts to investigate the many other lovers that Grace also had. And the following part that I'm going to read is where she is talking to one of Grace's very first boyfriends from high school, a man named Ronnie, who went to Vietnam, came back, and joined the Vietnam veterans against the war. This is Ronnie talking first. Sure, no prob, said Ronnie. He didn't seem to notice my discomfort. The jukebox was playing American Pie. I like this song. Reminds me of Nam, he said. Good old boys. Doing some of the harder stuff along with that whiskey and rye. And, Miss Leah, you will note that I drive a Chevy. Drove it to the levee, too. Yeah, not quite 20. About to get drafted, so I enlisted instead. They gave me a bunch of tests. They said, boy, we got something special for you. Train you for special forces. What did you do in special forces? Interrogation specialist, Phoenix program. We showed the South Vietnamese how to find the commies. Somehow making peace with those SOBs don't sit right with me. Ronnie's face darkened as Don McLean's voice filled the room. Satan's spell, he said. He hit the table with his fist. You know what that is? That's a USA Today. That's what we got now. Everybody wanting a piece of the American pie. He made his voice high and squeaky on American pie. Dismissive. You work with the Viet 
Vietnam veterans against the war, I said, isn't making peace what they stand for? Sure they do. Anyone in combat wants peace. It's no fun being somebody's target practice. It's no fun wondering if you stepped on a mine, and even that ain't half as bad as knowing if you step off a one you're finished. I've got mixed feelings about it. It don't come from the head. It comes from the gut. I see those mixed feelings in my cousin Joey. Yeah, Joey and I have a lot in common, Ronnie answered. We joined the military out of high school. We did our time. No college deferments are slipping into Canada for us. I don't know much about him, but that's a background I can deal with. Ronnie was continuing his thoughts. You're someone I can talk to, Leah. I feel like you understand me. I know I scare you, but there's a connection between us. Maybe you'd give me a chance? I was confused by my reaction to Ronnie. He was exciting, but he made me uneasy. We don't know one another very well. Are you worried about me being in Vietnam? You Berkeley girls are all alike, a bunch of peaceniks. He didn't look angry. You don't know nothing about combat, nothing about war. That's one of the ways we're very different. You'll catch on eventually. It's a war out there. That's what everyone has to face. You sound like Joey again. Joe was in Nam, Ronnie said. Joe knows the score. That was a war, I said. Back here, you have to think different. Back here, it's still war, Ronnie said. Me and Joe know that. You just haven't faced it yet. You just heard Susan Shirell reading from her mystery novel, Grace, published by Workwoman's Press. The musician and educator Thomas McKinney, who's also the director of the South African Freedom Song Choral Group, Vukani Muwetu, was so inspired by this book, Grace, that he wrote and recorded the following song called Through Grace.
Thomas McKinney singing his own song, Through Grace. Well, it isn't often that a novel inspires a song, especially a mystery story. Read us another scene, if you will, Susan Sherrill, please. Yes, I will be happy to do that, Nina. Leah discovers an old diary of Grace's, written in 1969, when Grace first met James Ferguson. This is Grace speaking through the diary. Summer of 1969, Berkeley. Newsweek called 1967 the summer of love. This is my summer of love. Little girls in San Francisco with spray-painted faces, flowers and peace signs and hearts on their foreheads and Indian beads. It's in the air like a prophecy, a guy said to me in Golden Gate Park. We were listening to Jefferson Airplane. But the hate has a harder edge now. More drugs. Guys are shooting meth. Speed freaks. And more than speed. But it's as if I don't see it. Rock bands in Sproul Plaza. People talking about the war. And free speech. And free universities. I'm on fire. I'm where I want to be. Think about Ronnie in Vietnam. Goodbye, Ronnie. Goodbye, Millie. Goodbye, stupid shouting about my boy crazy ways. Yeah, I want to have a lot of lovers. So what? High on weed. Dancing like mad in the Steppenwolf. My hair down. Everything a blur. People clapping. A girl shouting, who are we now? Will we ever be the people we once were? Head all shaky, things fuzzy next day. I don't want to be the person I used to be. Then who? Now, a little later in the diary, Grace meets James Ferguson and writes about it. This is again Grace speaking from the diary. I said to Fran, where'd June find him? June talking to James, a big black man, white teeth, overwhelmingly male. Slow, Texas drawl, glad to meet you, Grace. I had never heard anyone say my name as if it had two syllables. Despite his looks, all man, and his eyes so serious, there's a shyness about him. Instant heat and shock of recognition, this man... This is it. Unlike me to feel shy, too. Usually I don't give a damn, feel confident, because I don't care. With him, want to be someone special. Tuesday at the track, he was out there with his friends from Oklahoma. All he wanted to do was talk about the civil rights movement, how it developed into the Black Panther Party when people got tired of being beaten up. Doesn't sound like me. But all I wanted to do was listen. A little bit later in the diary, she writes this. He hasn't come out in a week. What if he went back to Alabama or Georgia or wherever he came from? What if he thinks I'm prejudiced and won't date him because he's black? Mom would have a fit, but I don't care anymore. Mama says I'm lowering myself to date a black man. She says, you always like those foreign types, Grace. Someday you realize that any man is foreign enough. No need to go out and look for problems. 
Then, finally, he walked in today. My shift was almost over. He was laughing and smiling like he had never been away. I ran over to him and said it right out. Where have you been? I've been so worried. He asked, worried about what? I'm here now, aren't I? Our hands reached out and grabbed each other. It was crazy, right in the middle of Mainline. People all around me, talking about horses and where to place their bets. I couldn't answer them. We were just smiling into each other's eyes. Black James, white Grace, it didn't matter. I held on to his hand and we walked right out of Mainline. People staring and customers calling Grace. And they all seemed so far away, I could hardly hear them. His friend drove us to my place, and we made love for hours. Wow, Susan. And then what happens? Well, like I say, Leah is busy checking out other people in Grace's life. And besides Ronnie, there was a young woman by the name of Becky Puckett, who grew up with Grace. So Grace is on this quest to find Grace, er, Leah's on the quest to find Grace's murderer. Yes. And so what happens is Leah goes out to San Leandro to talk to Becky Puckett, the woman who went to high school with Grace. It's Leah speaking first. So did he tell you he Ronnie was still seeing Grace? He never mentioned Grace. Helene told me Ronnie kept trying to reach her quite recently. So what if he did? The two of them were always hung up on each other in a sick kind of way. He knocked her up. She killed his baby. After that, there wasn't anything on two legs that Grace wouldn't screw. She tightened her face in a gesture of disgust. Ronnie couldn't handle it. All that bad boy stuff, it was just an act. He was weak underneath. He enlisted and got sent to Nam. You've always had a crush on Ronnie, haven't you? She reached into her pocket and drew out a, cigar- a pack of cigarettes, lit one. Her hand trembled. Hell, she said, inhaling. Who didn't? Me and half the senior class. I wrote him a couple times. In Vietnam, he wrote me back. Maybe something could have come of it if Grace hadn't written him too. Maybe she was having a downer on one of her acid trips or one of her bearded protester boyfriends rejected her. Then she remembered old Ronnie. That was all it took. For him to go back to her? He'd go back to her. But by the time he got back from Nam, she was screwing a black man. That's what he got for all his trouble. What about you and Ronnie? He was interested once he saw what Grace was, but by then I'd met Carl. She tried to say this indifferently, but a lifetime of regret crept into her words. Ronnie must hate Grace for jerking him around like that. Oh, yeah, she answered, except he's weak. He's too weak for hate. He's just drifted around, never knew who he was. Your husband Carl is different? Very different, she said. Carl has an opinion. He sticks with it. She took another drag on the cigarette, reflecting back. Ronnie 
went off to war proud as you please. From what I hear, he had to do some tough things over there. Falcon program, I think it was, something like that. Some sort of bird thing. Came back, joined Vietnam vets against the war. Total about face. Seemed like he got guilty all of a sudden. For what? Commie gooks were everywhere. Kids, teenagers, still gooks. Didn't matter. Had to be killed. Those vets against the war are a bunch of losers. All they do is complain. I always wondered if Grace had something to do with that. She let out a stream of smoke. But let anyone say anything against the vets. Ronnie still goes off. You never know where he stands. I guess you never knew where you stood with him either. What kind of guy lets a girl treat him the way Grace treated Ronnie? I like a man with guts. She squashed the cigarette in an ashtray overflowing with butts, stood up, and opened the door for me to leave. I don't care who you're working for, she said. Just don't come around here with any more questions. I don't want to talk any more about this. You are listening to Susan Sherrill reading from her novel, Grace. I, I know, Susan, you don't want to give away who done it, but could you please read us a last excerpt? Yes, Leah finds herself getting deeper and deeper uh, into this situation with, of course, a lot of resulting complications. And in this next scene, she is talking to the Black Panther lawyer, his name is Art, about some of the developments. And it starts off with Leah speaking. I believe my article could help James. Do you remember the day we met? I talked to you on the stairwell. I did remember the first time I had talked to Art Leopold outside of James' hearing. Art had warned me to be cautious. Had he suspected James was capable of harming me? You were already in a dangerous situation. This Ruby Bailey reporter has just made it much worse. Does the danger come from the Panthers, I asked, or from the police and the FBI? All of the above. It doesn't matter. Some people sell out. Some people go crazy. Some Panthers could take you out and think they're being loyal to the cause. Never underestimate the strength of the oppression, Leah. There are, they are masters at turning people against one another. Unfortunately, it's not that hard to do. You just got sideswiped. You must get out of town. Thank you, Susan Sherrill, author of the mystery novel Grace. Those were wonderful readings, and it sounds like an exciting book. Well, I've heard that people better get Grace on reserve right now because the last time that I stopped by my local branch, the librarian told me there were already seven holds on the book. So imagine, what are ways of buying the book? Local bookstores are always great place to support. Walden Pond Books in Oakland has Grace sitting right in the front window. Laurel Bookstore, also in Oakland, has several copies. Books, Inc. in Alameda. Bird and Beckett in San Francisco. And, uh, and Marcus Books in Oakland and San Francisco are carrying the book. Of course, you can also get it online. And do you have a website where people can learn about the book, Susan? Yes, www.susansherrell.com. 
let me help people with that. Uh, Susan Sherell is spelt S-H-E-R-R-E-L-L. So it's www.susansherell.com. www.susansherell.com. And also, people can hear this interview again and these readings by going to www.kpfa.org a half hour after this broadcast so they can tell their friends about it. And I wonder how you you started this novel. What did you have in mind when you began? Lena, in the 1970s, I volunteered for several years at a Black Panther free clinic, the George Jackson Clinic. I made several friends who were in the Black Panther Party. I heard their stories. There was also a lot going on in the news that I would read and hear about. And I felt that these were stories that needed to get out. Many years later, I found that I was working at Santa Rita Prison and at North County Jail. And at that period in my life, I got to know policemen and their view of things. I thought it would be very interesting to bring these very opposite points of view together in a book and see what happened. Well, you certainly succeeded in this book, Grace. How did the characters develop? During that period of my life, it was a very dramatic period. I remembered it very vividly. I was living shared housing with some other people. And so many of the characters took on personalities or parts of personalities of the people that I knew at that time. Um, most of those people, I'm happy to say, are still my friends and uh, have participated in the reading and the uh, promotion of this book at times. Well, let me remind people again that they can find this book at www.susansherell.com and also at local independent bookstores as well as online. Thank you so much, Susan Sherell, for returning to KPFA and Open Book and sharing your mystery novel, Grace, with us. And thanks to Oscar for board hopping, and thanks to all of you for listening. It's been a pleasure to share this time with you. May you have a pleasant weekend.
class warfare in America. That's the timely title of economist Robert Reich's talk for the 15th annual Mario Savio Memorial Lecture on November 15th in Pauley Ballroom in the Martin Luther King Jr. Student Center on the campus at UC Berkeley, Bancroft and Telegraph. Tickets are available in the lobby beginning 6.30 p.m. on November 15th. The event begins at 8 p.m. and includes the Young Activist Award. There's wheelchair access. Robert Reich is presented by numerous organizations, including the board of directors of the Mario Savio Memorial Lecture, the UC Berkeley Library, and others. Full information is on kpfa.org slash events. Class Warfare in America. Robert Reich, November 15th. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. And to make an announcement that we are expecting a live broadcast of filmmaker Michael Moore appearance at Occupy Oakland this afternoon. Not sure of the precise time, but expect it in the next um, any time between now and then. So please stand by and we'll see. Uh, we'll bring him on as soon as we can. Stand by.